Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Hello, Brad. Good evening, Andrew. What's going on? Well, uh, we've been gone for a while, so now we're back. We've been gone for a while. So and we apologize. It happens. It was a combination of things. There was uh, some of the uh, quarantine times. And I didn't feel like recording then because I was not in the mood. Then I had a trip, and then I had another trip, uh, and then now we're back from trips and quarantines. Yeah, and then ironically, usually if you're here, because you're here for such a short time and we don't have time, we don't record in person. Right. Normally I record when I'm there, but I was there for my kid's graduation from high school, so I didn't have enough time to do that because we had also planned on some other things that were the same weekend, which we'll get into later on in this episode. But just with the amount of time I was there and the amount of times that the amount of things that had to be done in that time, it just didn't happen. So everything's back to normal now for at least a few weeks and uh, we'll do this. No, that's fine. Um, I was going to project updates because I think I talked about I was between work while I started the new job. So. I hadn't done anything in a while and I had wrapped up the Q45. It needed upper control arms. I was waiting for them to come from Japan and Correct. needed a mass airflow meter. I determined because it continued to, it finally threw like a hard code for it uh, and it stayed. So I ordered that from Japan as well. New old stock because it was even cheaper it was $300 for an OEM, uh, like new old stock mass airflow sensor from Japan, or $1,000 for a reman one through Rock Auto. Right. Yeah. So obviously you want to spend more money for a reman one from Rock Auto. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that went in and the upper control arms went in and car runs fantastic. I can, you got to drive it around. And I can attest to that because I used it as my, my rental car while I was there. Um, it went, I don't know, probably four or 500 miles when I had it. Yeah, it, it did because I looked trips. at the Odo. The trip Odo was yeah. like 500 miles. Yeah, a bunch of trips between, you know, where we're from in Salem up to like Haverhill, Massachusetts. But I did it a bunch. So yeah. it wound up putting a bunch of miles on it and it ran great every time. It only has that little ABS weird thing now every now and again. But other yeah, than that, the car runs beautiful. Like it's yeah. it's a brand new car. It, it drives like a fifty thousand mile Q forty five should. There's yeah. no rattles. There's no bangs. There's no weirdness. It's smooth. It's quiet. The automatic climate control works like it's, it's in a brand new car. <laughs> it, it it'll you know freeze you out of the car if you wanted to. No, you just set it to seventy and leave it there, and it just it dries the air out, makes it seventy degrees, and life is good. You can't really complain yeah, with that car. It's, it's, a good it's car. the traction control pump that is a problem. Okay. If there's no an ABS not code. ABS. No, it's not an ABS code. It turns the traction control system off. It's no, a separate pump remember. for traction control. It's really okay. complicated. Well, nonetheless, it works. Everything in the car works except for yeah, the Yeah. So gear. it, well, and, they, and even then it will work after the first time you drive it because it, it needs to pressurize. It, it loses pressure as it sits. And yeah, usually work it for a day until you parked it overnight. Yeah. And then it you start it up and you'll hear it pressurizing and it'll throw and maybe sometimes it works and sometimes it'll throw the code and turn the two lights on, which everybody will tell you 
if you just go on the internet, they're like, oh, it's just the two relays. Like, I checked those relays a while ago. They were fine. When you go in the, I think I talked about this before, you have to go into the trunk and it's behind the package tray and underneath, and you just see it, especially when it's dark, you can see a blinking trouble code in there. Okay. Um, and it blinks for the code that says air in the system. Okay. So and I've, can't I've crack a bleeder. I've cracked a bleeder multiple times, done it. I've changed the fluid because it's just break right. fluid. So some kind of a air leak somewhere letting air into the system. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do, I've got the day off tomorrow. I checked on the inventory online. The car that I pulled the marker light out of is still in that junkyard in the South Shore. Okay. So I'm going to go down. It was an identical car, so I know it had the, the traction control system because it was only in the Tourings. Um, and I try to pull the unit out of that because I looked it up. They're not available. None of the parts. It's a. It wasn't even a whole unit. It was available as parts, but none of them are available from Japan, unfortunately. So okay. I want to try to pull it out and so I can have it on a bench and look at it and see what I can replace on it with, like, just finding oh, parts. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then at least I can. Because once that's fixed, the car will be like a hundred percent perfect. And even with that not fixed, it's not a big deal. No, the because car... you can drive it and just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the car, it's the car drives like a brand new car and there's yeah. no, it's almost too good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, it's such a fancy, you know, over the top engineered car that it's just, if you told somebody that it was a 1995 model year car, you know, it was a 27 year old car. They probably wouldn't believe you if they weren't car people, you know, the car is really good. Yeah. So I'm going to take some nice pictures of it, clean it, wax it again. Um, probably throw it on Harry marketplace. See yeah, what happens. Wants a, anybody wants a good car. It's a good car. So. Um, I don't know what else to do with it. <laughs> Hey, if I if I had the money and gas wasn't six dollars a gallon, I would uh, consider dealing it. Yeah, that's the problem. It's uh, it is not good on gas. It wasn't terrible. It was better than a pickup truck. Yeah, it's slippery. I I, I figured somewhere around twenty is probably what it gets. I think that's what the sticker says, and I think yeah. even the original sticker has a thing on it that has gas closer tax on it in nineteen ninety five. Right. So I think it's some based on how I drove it. I didn't fill it all the way. I think I put because I drove it for a bit. And I think I put like I forget how many gallons it was, but it was like eighty six dollars worth of fuel. It's a twenty four gallon tank. Yeah, well, it's you don't brutal. need to fill it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing. People talk about oh, the tank is so big, but you don't have to fill the tank all the way. Like you can you can put half a tank in it. It's fine. But I think yeah. I put like eighty dollars in it from almost E, and it was. Like three quarters full, and I think I gave back to you somewhere around where you gave it to me. I don't remember. Yeah, it's all right. But yeah, I think it was somewhere around you gave it to me. I didn't take note, but I did. Uh, I did buy you lunch all week for the rental bill, fees. Though. Uh, <laughs> bill was in the mail. Sure, <laughs> you, you filled it up at fifteen dollars a gallon, like Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You filled. I've char- charged your credit card. Yeah. Well. It was uh, it was it was nice of you to let me use it. It was also good that I got to put some miles on it to shake it down for you. Um, and it's just it's a great car. There's there's no other way to say it. It's it's well ahead of its time. That's for sure. Yeah, um, it's got a lot more going for it 
for a 95 than a brand new Infinity does now, I think. It does. So it's a good car. Funny, well, my computer's open in front of me and Google is targeting me Infinity ads. It's happening here. No. So <laughs> this a Q60 ad just came up. <laughs> oh, weird. Um, Probably because well, we I've Googled Infinity stuff before, but yeah. Well, we had a lot of project car updates here, so we're going to switch off. So, what do you what do you got going on? Uh, let's see. I was in. You know what? Let's just go to the big one. All right. I bought a car. Okay, you teased it. I haven't. I haven't posted anything on the AOT Instagram page or anything yet because I figured oh, that's uh, no secret. I'll wait for it to go there, but it's been posted other places, so I'm sure everybody already knows. But I bought a 944. Not just any. I didn't need. Uh, yes, I bought the former Radwood official 944. That is the red one with the iconic picture of Sal Barbier, the skateboarder, jumping over the top of it. So I bought that particular car. It came up for sale. I wasn't necessarily in the market for a 944. I wasn't necessarily in the market for a car, but I had sold the Volkswagen and the Saab had been totaled. So there was, you know, a little bit of extra cash lying around and a hole in the driveway to be filled. Again, not that I need to fill a hole in the driveway because there's plenty no. of cars. But it's a short version of a long story. I was out to dinner with friends of the podcast. And I was talking about 924s and how I found a good deal on one. I'd like to try a 924. Uh, one of those people who was out to dinner with us was Bradley Runnell who of Radwood and other places, he currently at that time owned the 944. And we were just talking about it. He's like, why don't you buy a 944? And I was like, I don't, I kind of don't want a 944. It's kind of, I want the early narrow car and experience that first. And then maybe I try a 944. But then he's like, what if you bought a 944? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to have the money for a 944. And he's like, what if you had the money for a 944? And I was like, well, I don't know. Knew what he was getting at. He, I knew he had the car and he was considering getting rid of it because he had moved halfway across the country and it was still sitting at his old house uh, in Nevada. So going back and forth, came to a price that we were both comfortable with that uh, I don't think either of us got stiffed on. I think I gave a fair value for the car and paid you know, what the car is worth given the condition the car is in. And I think that he should be happy with that and I'm happy with that. Uh, and I'm going to give him first right a refusal if I do sell it anyway. So it has that going for it. So he struck a deal. Uh, about a month and a half later, he was going to be back in Nevada where his old house was. And I said, all right, I can come up that weekend. Hopped on an airplane, landed in Nevada. He picked me up at the airport in the car. It had been sitting for quite some time, so it was very dirty. <laughs> and it steered really hard. And I was like, oh, what have I done? Maybe I don't want this car, but it's too late. I already have the money in my hand and I'm buying the car from him. So at that point, it was probably, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night and I was hungry. So we drove the car for dinner and I dropped him back off where he was staying. And then I went to the hotel that I was staying at, at this point now, maybe two in the morning. And I get there and the lady's like, all right, we don't have a room for you. And I was like, okay, I've already paid for a room. So that's not cool. What are we doing here? And she's like, sorry, we're out of space. And I was like, well, you can't not give me a room because I paid for it. 
I was like, all right, well then give me my money back. She goes, I can't. You booked through hotels.com. You have to get back from them. Okay, is there another hotel in the area that has vacancy? She's like, I don't know. I don't work there. Cool. Thank you for even trying to help me out. This person who I you knew was coming in late and you gave away his room. All right. Whatever. So long again, long story short, we managed to I managed to get another hotel in town and got, you know, into the hotel at four in the morning now, so my one day drive the next day wasn't going to start at 7 a.m. like it was supposed to. Parked the car in the hotel. Didn't even look at it again the rest of that night. Just kind of like, I'll deal with it in the morning. Went out to the car in the morning. Now I've seen it for the first time in three and a half years in person in daylight. And it doesn't look great. It's very dirty. <laughs> the license plate's inside of it. Not mounted to it. The wheels are black from just being dirty. The belt squeals, but I knew the belt was going to squeal. That was something that I knew about. Um, mechanically, I was assured the car was great. Brad was like, no, the car doesn't need anything to drive. It needs some things to be nice, but it doesn't need anything to be driven reliably. So I had that, at least that vote of confidence in my head that it was going to be okay. I knew I was not going to have air conditioning for the ride home, which was okay because I was starting in Reno, Nevada which is at elevation and cool. And I was heading down the hill into Phoenix and I figured by the time I got where it was hot, it would be dark and I'd be able to be in the in decent weather the whole time, even though it was, you know, end of May in the desert. So driving the car home, I'm slowly starting to get more and more into it. There's a super heavy shake in the front wheels, which is annoying me. Like you couldn't drive the car over 70. And I was quite annoyed, and I was really annoyed at how hard the steering was because I knew the car was no power steering. It's a factory, no power steering car. So I'm just driving along and just driving along. And I skipped a part where I did take it to a car wash because I couldn't even see out the windows. So I washed the car first. <laughs> washed the car, went to a Walmart, bought some hardware to mount the plate. It's a Euro car. So the plate bolt holes don't line up. So at some yeah. point, somebody had taken like a, a metal L bracket and just screwed it into the license plate light. So the plate sits in front of the license plate lights, which is not ideal and doesn't really like line up perfectly in the back of the car. So I have since sorted that out. I ordered a bracket that converts from like US to a euro to US for just a situation. Oh, I so I kind of had the drilled holes in the plate. Um, but there's nothing there's nothing on the car to mount it to. So the Euro plates, the Euro plate mounting holes are wider than an American plate. Oh, okay. So I didn't have a place to mount it. Like I couldn't drill holes because there was no material to drill. <laughs> so I've, I, it's not here yet. I hope it's going to work. If it doesn't, I have a second idea for making something that I can make work out of just like a piece of metal or plastic and I'll, I'll make it work. It's not, not a big deal. So after getting the car washed, getting the plate mounted, Took a few pictures, obviously. I didn't get in the road until about noontime, maybe one o'clock from Reno. So now I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a rough drive. So I'm going home, going on the highway, 70, 75. The front wheels are shaking to the point that my hands are going numb on the steering wheel. Well, I guess this is going to be a problem. Keep driving. I went probably four hours like this. If I kept it under 75, I was fine. Over 75 was undrivable. So at one point, I stopped for gas. 
and I'm dead tired. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it home. So I called Naomi and I'm like, hey, I said, we're in trouble. I said, I'm not going to make it home. I'm going to need to find another hotel somewhere in between. She's like, well, why don't you try to get like a decent, like amount of protein for lunch? Like you have something that's, there's no carbs, like straight protein, get something like that. So she like looked on her phone from home and it's like, hey, there's like a subway, like an hour ahead of you. Get one of those protein bowls they have. Might not be the best food, but it's perfect road trip food. So we did that and I'm in the gas station there. And I'm parking the car in the parking lot. Now I'm super annoyed because the car won't steer. It's so hard to steer. And I'm like, I don't understand. This is not even like I've owned cars without power steering. This is not normal. In my tiredness, I never thought to look at the tires. Yeah. Never even in my head thought about the tires. I was like, oh, I wonder. Maybe the tires are low. So keep in mind, I've already driven the car like five hours. Yeah. Out of a 14 hour trip. I pull up to the, I pull the little thing. I brought a tire gauge with me. I pull it on my bag. I put it on each tire between 12 and 14 pounds. <laughs> Dude. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so that's on me. Um, I was dead tired. I never checked it. I knew the car had been sitting for a while. Maybe in my brain, I thought Bradley checked it before he drove it to the. Uh, I mean, I have, but before I've sold people cars, I throw her in the tires. Yeah, I just think that we were both in such a rush that nobody thought about it. And I put air in the tires, put them up to 32 each all around the car, got back out on the highway. And that's 15 pounds like hot, like coming off, coming in off the highway. So they probably had like 10 before that. So I put air in the tires. Uh, It was much better. It still has a little bit of a shake. I, I could have undamaged the tires driving them for five hours at 12 to 14 pounds. I don't know. But as I've driven the car more and more, the shake has pretty much gone away. So it also could have just been a flat spot from sitting low, you know. But they don't leak at all. So it must have just been the fact that it sat for so long and went through heat cycles of seasons. And also it's at elevation in Reno. And I was driving down the hill from Reno to not be at elevation anymore. So that affects it as well. But anyway, with air in the tires, car drives much nicer. The car steers beautifully. It actually reminds me a lot as far as effort goes, of my first-gen RX-7 that didn't have power steering. It's it's tighter and quicker, but it's the same amount of effort it required that that car had. So the car drives beautiful now. I'm way more into the car already. You know, again, just having the squeak in the belt I knew was an issue. You know, the car was not great looking. It was still kind of dirty because I gave it a quick wash. Half the Radwood decals were taken off the car, but they weren't taken all the way off. So where the glue was was covered in dirt. And I was getting like compliments and thumbs up at the gas station. I was like, man, this car looks so haggard right now, but thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. So the car definitely has some kind of a presence to it. It has the group 44, you know, Campagnolo style wheels on it. It's, it sits really nice. It looks really cool. It has the Pasha interior. It is a Euro car. I'm sure these guys at the gas station didn't know all that stuff. They just saw an old red sports car and thought it was cool, but it, it looked good. It made it home. I figured out that it turned about 28 miles per gallon the whole way home, which is pretty good for an 80 sports car, you know, cruising down a highway at 85 miles an hour the whole way, doing the conversions in my head because it's in kilometers an hour. Um, got the car home, pretty much no issue. 
that protein bowl woke me up, let me go the whole rest of the day. I made it all the way home. Uh, I was getting a little tired by the time I got home, but not to the point where I was ever thought I was in any kind of danger. And I made it here. And what a hell of a way to introduce yourself to a new car, right? Drive it 14 hours. Buy a car, get in it, drive it 14 hours. You learn all its quirks. You even learn to identify what it feels like with no air in the tires. So it is a significantly better car with air in the tires. I'll tell you that right now. I bet. So way better car. Such a good car. Uh, It runs great. It doesn't need anything immediately mechanically. You know, I jacked it up. I checked all the wheel bearings. I checked the tie rods. I checked all the axle bolts in the rear where the transaxle is. Everything's nice and tight. The timing belt only has like 5,000 miles on it. Maybe a little more now, but it's, you know, it's, it might be four or five years old. So I'll keep an eye on that for a little bit, but I might do that maybe next year, but right now it's fine. So basically mechanically the car is good. It just needed some love appearance wise. It, uh, again, the life of a company car, right? The car is bought as a company vehicle, as an advertising piece. But then when it's done doing his work as an advertising piece, generally those kinds of cars get sat out somewhere. And that's kind of what happened with this car. You know, it sat around all through the pandemic once the Radwood show stopped happening. So it sat still in the desert sun for a couple of years and it took its toll, obviously, on the paint. The other issue with that was the stickers were still on the car. Mm-hmm. So uh, anybody who's f- not familiar with the car, it had a tribute to the 924 Carrera GT Boss race car from the 80s. But instead of saying Boss all over it, it said Redwood all over it in the same kind of font. Right. So the whole front of the car, some of the decals had been removed, but not taken off all the way. So like I said, there was like a, a sticky residue that was full of dirt so they were just brown logos in the front still and on the rear of the car was all the white ones still so all the radwood logos it had uh, momo stickers because the car has a momo classico steering wheel which i'm sure was provided by momo it had the campanello stickers for the group four wheels and it had clarion stickers because it has a clarion stereo in it so i get all those stickers off so i was like all right i'm gonna get all these off now, this could be a whole podcast in itself with car detailing. I'll tell you that much. Oh, no. We've become everything we hate. Yeah. I'm a, a Porsche, Porsche podcast. And a, a Porsche car, podcast with car detailing. Porsche podcast that is car detailing. Yeah. Well, I have made the promise to everybody that I will not use buzzwords. Um, it's hard to talk about a night. So. Oh, Brad's got his first P car. Hold on. So we had a podcast a while ago. The title of the podcast was Brad Hates Porsches. <laughs> and the reason for that was I was annoyed at 991, 991.2, 991.3.75, uh, stitching on seats, yada, yada, yada. All, all these little option things on 991s were bothering me that week. I don't want to talk about chassis codes. You were literally just like, this is a Euro car. It has passion interior. It's that's a description. <laughs> it has no sunroof. It's, it's not a slip top. <laughs> It's got no sunroof. I have not. I have not. It's no sunroof. So yeah, it's a it's a no sunroof car. But I will not say it's a slick top. I will not say it is a good spec. It I won't is say any uh, of those things. 
how many did they make of this year in that month? Probably uh, thousands. It's number 10 off of the assembly line on Friday, uh, the 15th. Do you want to talk about the assembly line real quick? Because I have a really neat fact. Okay. <laughs> so it's not it's not a Porsche fact. Okay. It, well, I guess it's a Porsche fact, but it ties into something else. So do you know where they build 944s? Where they built built built? built. Do, you know, do you know where they built 944s? Uh, Austria. Nope. They're built in Germany at a factory in a town called Neckersholm. Okay. Do you know what else is built in Neckersholm? I don't know. <laughs> you should, if you pay attention when I talk, which you've known me long enough, you probably ignore me, but that's okay. Uh, the NSU. Oh, okay. So the cool thing is, is that Volkswagen obviously bought NSU in 1969. So when they bought NSU, they got the NSU factory. As we talked about in the podcast before, the reason As the Audi do. TT was called the Audi TT is because it's produced in the Neckerson factory that produced the NSU TT, and it's a callback to that. So the cool thing is, is that I have, obviously, the 1971 NSU, which was built in Neckerson, and this 944 came down the same assembly line that that NSU did. So I thought that was kind of cool. They're, All right. They're long-lost brothers. They're long-lost brothers. All right. Or then sisters my, uh, or whatever. My town is, is related to a Rivian. I mean, same factory. Yeah. So you could make the same discussion. It's a neat. It's it's a neat topic of conversation. Like, hey, they built they build Rivians where they build my talent. That's cool, right? Yeah. And I just thought it was cool that they build they are they built nine forty fours where they built NSUs because not such an obscure weird car to this like kind of mainstream car for me to be honest with you. So, so it's very mainstream. Yeah. Everybody's got a nine forty four. Exactly. It's very mainstream. It's it's that's my biggest beef with the car, I think, <laughs> is that every everybody has a red 944. Yeah. It's like which is why it's important red. that it's my like a, car has Pasha and his Euro, Andrew. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like an N.A. Miata. They're all red. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have chosen a red 944 if that was like, hey, pick one car. But I think it's just the, the right place, right time, right price, right options. It is cool. The Pasha interior is cool, regardless of it's a where say it's a Porsche guy thing or not. Like it's a neat checkerboard interior, awesome. It's a Euro car. It definitely has tiny bumpers. That's cool. Uh, it doesn't have a sunroof, which is cool because it's different than all the other ones. It doesn't have power steering, which a lot of the other ones, all, all the later cars do. You know, it's a factory AC car. It has cool wheels on it. It sits nice. So it's a cool car. I dig it a lot. Uh, the other mods the car has, it's got a long, it's got a like a long tube header, yeah, into the stock cat back, but there's no cat because it's a Euro car, so it's uh it's 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 a it's an interesting car, it's a neat car. So, so moving on, we're done talking really, about I've, done talking I've, about I've, P cars. No, I have one more question. Um, okay. It did Lane take that picture of Sal Barber? Sal Barbier, Sal Barbier jumping over it. I don't know. Probably. I'm, you should ask him if you can have a print of it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a big print of it out there somewhere. The funny thing is, is I have that T-shirt. At the back of the T-shirt is the silhouette of the 944 with the skateboarder jumping over it. No, what a fanboy. Like, That's random. I have a T-shirt with the car <laughs> on it that I now own. So anyway, 
now I get the car home and now I have to go ahead and fix this car as far as the appearance of the car goes. So night number one was take off the decals that said Radwood and all those other things. We prepped by ordering a hundred pack of plastic razor blades, two big bottles of Goo Gone, and a rubber eraser wheel. Because we weren't sure, you know, what kind of condition these decals were in, how long, you know, had baking in the sun had hurt them, what was going to happen. So we used first the Goo Gone and the plastic razor blades, and it was working a little bit. But the problem with that is that it was leaving the adhesive on the car afterwards. And then I couldn't use the eraser wheel to remove just the adhesive. Because all it was doing was spreading the adhesive and just smearing it all over the car. At that point. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird... You have to hit the right speed and motion. So and I realized sort of afterwards work. that if I used... If I coated all the decals in the Gugon, it was like a Gugon gel, so it sits on top, doesn't like just run down the car, and let it sit on them, and then I hit them with the eraser wheel first and no plastic razor blade, that the eraser wheel would take off the outer decal and the adhesive in one move, and it wouldn't have the same issue that I had with the razor blade first. Hmm. So eraser wheel on a drill, a variable speed drill, so you can make it go not too fast and not too slow. And it took, you know, I, I probably should have bought a second eraser wheel because I almost ran out of time on that one. But I managed to get all the decals off the car. When we went back to try to take some more of that glue off for the ones that we tried to take off first, we used like a, uh, I don't want to call it a nail polish remover, but kind of like a nail polish remover. Acetone. Acetone. Thank you. To get it off. <laughs> don't do that. No. It's a bad idea. The problem with that is the car is not clear coated. It's a single stage red paint. Yeah, it from takes the, the paint with it. It didn't take the paint with it, but it stained the paint pretty heavily. So then when I moved on to the next step, which was, you know, buffing the car, I would buff the whole car and it would come up beautiful. And then as the product would dry the rest of the way, that white stain would come back. So that was a problem. <laughs> So what I used to buff the car is I have a 10-inch Ryobi random orbital and a 6-inch Ryobi random orbital. And I modified the 6-inch Ryobi to have a Velcro attachment to it because it normally has, you have to put like the bonnets on them. So I, I modified it to put a Velcro attachment on it. And I bought a firm buff pad from the... Uh, detail garage chemical guy store out here and i bought their c4 clear cut correction compound and a combination of that and some other slightly more aggressive compounds that are in an unlabeled box in the garage i don't know what they are um i think it's uh something from a body shop that i worked at at some point oops i don't know how i kept that but must have been an accident i don't know what it is but it's something i had a little bit more abrasive to it for some of the more hardcore spots but i went over most of the car over the span of like an entire day with that correcting compound and managed to have the car come back pretty good. (laughs) It looks pretty shiny. 
I haven't gone beyond that. Actually, when we finish recording tonight and we go outside and use in another, not compound, but a, a polish. Polish. So the compound to a polish and then a wax afterwards. So I'm hoping that it'll be a pretty deep shine. The car is never going to be perfect. You know, it's had too much life. Um, the fenders forward, actually on the passenger side, nope, both sides. The doors forward have been repainted at some point. And when they were repainted, they were clear coated. Yeah. So that was a little different than the back of the car. Like both quarter panels, the C pillars and the roof are single stage. So that came back pretty good with the compound. And now it at least matches the front clear coated parts. And at some point, the left quarter panel was repaired, but it also was done single stage. So I assume that was early on in the car's life. I don't know a ton about the car's history. I don't know much about the car from before it went to the Radwood group. It seems like it's probably clicked over once on mileage. I don't have proof of that, but I'm just looking at the car as it is. So my guess is that it says it has 16,000 kilometers or something on it. So I'm assuming that that's either 116 or 216. Uh, either way, it's either under 100 or under 150,000. So it's not a terribly worn out car. I did find a for sale ad for the car from 2001 in which it had a bad head gasket. So I know back in 2001, the car was sold cheap with no head gasket and it was taken apart. So somebody put it back together at some point. I tried, uh, I have a friend that has a connection at the uh, Porsche dealership to run like the numbers of like the production date and all the options and years set and where it was sold. Get your build codes. Yeah, which whatever. Nerd. Um, but however, he can't do that because it's a Euro car. And Porsche North America doesn't have access to the Euro stuff. So I'd have to spend some money and have Porsche do it. And I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> it is what it is. It runs and drives. So it runs and drives well. Like I said, uh, mechanically, the car is great. The car looks good now. It's getting better every time I work on it. I do want to get inside and shampoo the seats and kind of do what uh, Naomi and I did with the Cressida seats. Use the extractor and clean up the best we can. And uh, make the car look as, as new as we can, as nice as we can, and then just enjoy it. You know, I, I wasn't looking for another car. I was like soft looking for another car, but I didn't want to buy another project car. And I think this fits the bill perfectly. It's a good like in between, like mechanically it's fine. It just needed some, some cleaning and love and it's gotten that. And you know, now it's, now it's a good car again, or it's getting there. I mean... <laughs> I don't want it to undersell it. I have, you know, probably close to 30 hours in cleaning and detailing it, which is not, you know, simple, but it's certainly, uh, certainly more simple than rebuilding something mechanically. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been enjoyable. It's almost been cathartic, you know, being able to bring it back from, you know, kind of dingy looking to making it look, I, I'll, it was a good 30 footer when I got it. And, you know, it's a solid 10 to 15 footer now. My hope is that by the time I'm done with it, it'll be a solid five footer. You know, it'll look good from a few feet away. And then at that point, you know, I'll hold on to it and drive it. And 
I think I'm into it at a point where if I ever decided to spend some real money on it and paint it, I'd still be okay. And I could have it looking pretty, pretty brand new at that point. So not in the, not in the plans. I want to make it look good enough. So it doesn't need that, you know, but it's enjoyable. It's going to have the kind of like patina that you can live with and also use and not worry about. So the only thing I'm going to spend money on is at some point it looks like it was in a hailstorm and the roof has got maybe six or seven hail dents on it, but they all look very repairable. So I'll probably have a PDR guy at some point fix the roof. So anyway, I'm stoked on it. Actually, I hope that you get to come out and visit sometime soon because I'd love to get your reaction to driving it too because it's a it's a good car. It reminds me a lot of a wide-body Starion as far as the the feel of the car, the weight of the car, the heft of the car. Uh, it seems faster than one, which is wild considering it's a 2.5 versus a 2.6 and it's NA versus turbo, but it could be gearing and could be a few things. I think the horsepower rating is about the same. So it's it's uh it's it's like a better handling as far as in the tight stuff than a Starion, but overall it reminds me a lot of driving a wide body Starion. Just the dimensions and the shape and just a little less square. So it's a good car. I think you'll enjoy it too. So anyway, that's the short version of three or four weeks worth of owning the car now. Cool. Yeah. yeah, speaking of 30 hours into stuff. Uh, exhaust. <laughs> yeah, the G20 exhaust came in. Uh, I think I talked about it. It looked right. And then I went to put it in, and it was completely wrong. <laughs> it no longer looked right under the car. No. And um, a couple emails back and forth with uh, Greg, who owns BRM that made it. Yep. Uh Confirmed with his guys in the shop, they realized they had used the wrong jig. Correct. Completely wrong car. So, However, at least uh, being a stand-up guy and business owner, he did take care of you. <laughs> sent me entirely new exhaust. Yep. Um, I still have the other one. I need to... I got busy. I, I, he gave me a shipping label. I got to ship it back. But Sure. You're off tomorrow. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I had that. I had the, a header... Locally, that I found supposedly a SR20, decent, but no idea what car. Yeah, supposedly a, a, a really decent, uh, advanced, it's like advanced engine breathing systems header. It was a big, big deal header back in the day. AEBS kind of been around, had some weird things done to it. I cleaned it up. Uh, it was a nightmare to get in, absolute nightmare because it's all one piece. All the way back right. to the cat. Unlike the factory stuff, which is two-piece. Manifold, downpipe. Well, the problem was whatever car it came out of probably didn't have an AC condenser. Maybe it had the radiator moved a little bit. You just didn't have room to get it all in there. I had to take all that out, except for the... I didn't... T- well, I took the fans out, the radiator out, pulled the AC compressor off the bracket. Uh, so you could move it. I thought it went down from the top. Couldn't make the turn, so we we were able to get it up. My dad and I were able to wrestle it in from the bottom. I uh, got it on there. I don't even think I talked about 
the, oh, taking this all apart, there was a broken stud in the car. Like somebody had the manifold off for some reason at some point. On oh, the cylinder head. Into the cylinder head, yeah. Yeah. So right. I welded it, welded it out on there. It, it came out. That does work. That is a 100% legit way to do it. You're like, I don't know. Everybody on the internet does this. Like, I guess it. I guess it's real. Totally real because the MIG sticks to the metal steel of the stud and not to the aluminum. It only works on aluminum heads. It works on, uh, and it doesn't stick to the aluminum head. Right. And also the heat expands the aluminum head just in that direct spot and then lets you turn out the the steel stud. And uh, it was it took a couple tries because it was kind of deep. I had to, like, glob it, uh, like, glob some booger weld onto the end of it, then put the nut, and then glob booger weld to that. Uh, it's not... Doing it's not, like, pretty. Like, nobody would really do it that pretty. But when I was done, it actually looked like a bolt. <laughs> like, I made yeah, a bolt. Yeah, I saw the picture afterwards. It was wild. So that was extremely satisfying that that worked that way. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking at this thing, the header. It looked pretty good. It had like a weird bung up on top of one of the primaries that maybe it was for like exhaust gas temperature or something. It was way too small sure. for an O2. So I, I found a plug that fit it. Uh, it wasn't that tight. So then I welded that because I had the welder out. I'm I'm reading a, a, a forum right now about the header because I was curious, but I thought I thought it was it is what it was ABS. That yeah. thing was 500 bucks new. Yeah, it's a pretty serious header. Um, yeah, but it's mild in, steel. Import, import tuner magazine um, saw on the dyno eight eight point eight horsepower gain from that. Yeah, so actually, it's a good part. So got it in. The rest of the exhaust. Bolted up good. You actually, it took so long that you had actually come in for your yes. trip. You came yep. in and just in time to help me bolt up the rest of the exhaust. Yeah, I, I got to your house just in time from Phoenix to Boston to help you bolt up the easy part of the exhaust and hold it in place for you while you did it. Yeah. And then I got to our friend Jordan's garage just in time as he was taking the jack stands out of the car, putting it back on the ground and leaning on it and talking about it. Yeah. So I timed it perfectly for everything. You did. I was there just uh, I, enough for the easy times and the good times, and uh, everything was good. I had to put new. Well, I bought new O2 sensors because they weren't the, the second one in the cat was not coming out, so I got a new one, and it was cheap. Those they're like fifty bucks. It's weird because it's an old Nissan, and the secondary one is a twelve mil, so it has an adapter, which I guess is super common. Yep, with like Harley's. I don't know. So it's it was easy to get. So I just threw it in there. The problem is front your one. Is a potato. Potato, potato, oh, yeah, potato. The, well, I'll get to that. The front one is the Harley part. Okay. Uh, further back, so that's easy. My dad and I extended the harness. Uh, no big deal. Get it all put back together. It it had a flex pipe in it. There's a little like some of the uh, fibers were like, sticking out. And I was like, ah, it seems all right. It seems solid. I can't really tell until you put exhaust through it well the problem is the flex pipe the has that metal like shielding uh, mesh around it, and then the bellows inside the bellows inside, see it. yeah and it wasn't like visibly heavily damaged so that's the thing this does hang down lower than the cross member mm -hmm. oh so that was the thing so i got we got it up in there and it hit the cross member correct and i was like i don't want to cut this cross member because i don't want to cut the car up that's stupid 
So I took it back out and we just hammered one of the primaries. Like it's it's not round, it's oval now. Yep. And it was literally it's like Which a quarter fine. of an inch. Like it's just enough to get by. And I, I took a flap disc and took off an eighth of an inch of the cross member. Yeah, I remember Hot Rod Magazine a few years ago did an article where they took headers and they smashed them in, you know, the way somebody would to get it around a starter or a frame rail or something. I don't even think it was and them. I think it was everybody references it was like Engine Masters or something, wasn't it? Engine Masters. I've never seen Hot it. Rod. Okay. I thought it was it's, Roadkill. It's, I don't know. Well, Engine Masters is Hot Rod Magazine's engine show. Um, but anyway, they did they did that, and it, there was an article in Hot Rod about it, which is what I was referring to. But anyway, it didn't make any effect at all on the flow rate of the headers, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, so I I got it all hooked up. We started on the lift. It sounded pretty good. Uh, free Revit sounded pretty cool. The capback's nice and quiet. It's got an eighteen inch resonator. Yeah, and then big. the muffler. <laughs> so it's not like loud. It's like deep. Um, and then once you pulled off the lift, it kind of sounded like exhaust leak. So I drove around, came it back. It was hot. Made sure all the gasket where they all met was tight. It's weird because it, you can, it's idling. It sounds all right. Free rev it sounds decent. You go to move it, put some load on it. I think it opens up the flex just enough. It's got a hole in it. Annoying. It, yeah. I'm super annoyed. <laughs> Have you fixed it yet? No. Oh. Because I have to take the whole thing out, and I haven't had time. It's a it's a huge ordeal now. You have to pull the header out to do it? Yeah. The oh, flex is in the header. The AC out again? I mean, the, I mean, the radiator yeah, out again? That's why I'm so annoyed. It's a oh, massive job. Oh, I thought the you could fu- do it in the car. No. Well, you can do it in the car, and it's going to be booger welds because you're trying to weld yeah, around I, a pipe up point, against the car. The, the, the cost versus um, time analysis, I'd probably take it down to uh, our old friends there in PBD and, hey, put a flex pipe in this. Who? Uh, base date. Oh, I don't think they're still there. I don't even know where they are. Sure they are. I don't remember where they are. On Route 1. They're next to, um, they're right by the maybe. bagel place. I, they're the ones no, that used to, they, they put a flex pipe in the, the Mirage like 17 times and they always yeah. did a good job. Uh, and you only did it 17 times because we kept ripping it out at auto at rally cross. I already bought a flex so. pipe and I'm just going to do what I did to the, the problem is I've paid people and for worse welding jobs than what I can do. So, Oh, I get it. I was just thinking that time and effort, you know, take the whole car apart. If they can just get in there and booger weld it under the car. No, I'll do it right. to go. I'll okay. do it right. Cause it's just going to annoy me. Um, I got you. And, and I'll go into there and I'll look at it and it'll be like crooked and have like some giant glob and I'll just be like pissed. So, um, okay. Fair yeah, enough. I, I already ordered a new manifold gasket. <laughs> like I'll just take it apart and do it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna, I've got a track day at the end of the month. I'm just going to do the track day first. See what else blows out. <laughs> right. Cause maybe, Cause maybe it'll just totally kill the flex pipe. Sure. Which would be a nice um, quiet drive home. Um, I mean, I'm 99% sure it's the flex pipe. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Like, when the, like, I thought on the Gallant it was a bad gasket and I swapped the gasket and it didn't change and it was the flex pipe. So, right. it sounds exactly like that, like that kazoo sound. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it, especially the car, the part came from New England. It's been used part in New England. It probably was used in the wintertime. 
probably has rust in there and it is what it is. You just can't see it because behind that stainless steel kind of sheathing. So yeah, it is what it is. And yeah, it's just like, it sounds kind of good. And then it's like, and you're like, okay, now it just sounds broken. So yeah, I get it. And then I was like, all right, let me do uh, a quick, easy project on it. Cause the CD player stopped working. So I ordered a, this is my fault. I ordered a, a refurbished uh, media receiver because it doesn't have CDs anymore. Right. Just does like radio. And I'll also come to find out uh, 90s Nissans use a two pin antenna plug. Not that weird single pin. Oh, that's weird. Uh, yeah. I So I had to order a little $8 adapter for that. <laughs> it's like annoying just to, so the radio works. But anyway, I get the whole thing together. I, I do the adapter harness and match all the wires up. I've done a bunch of stereos before. It's super easy to just put a head unit in. Yeah, usually. Plug it in. It's completely dead. <laughs> just nothing. <laughs> like I like, mean, you right. say it's your fault because you bought a factory refurb, but it's not your fault. They're selling a factory refurb. It's supposed to be good. Yeah, but like a, a brand new factory one was like $120 and I spent $90 on this one, so it's kind of oh. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got you. <laughs> so, so I double checked. I'm like, oh, maybe this harness is wrong or something. I don't know. Got my probe well, on my meter. I'm checking stuff. Nope. I've got from the factory harness through the harness that I made to the plug on the new radio. I've got 12 volt uh, ignition, 12 volt memory. Got ground through it to car ground. I'm like, all right, and you plug it in. The only thing that happens is the antenna goes up. I'm like, well, clearly it's shorted inside. Yeah, it's, not... so it's definitely giving power to the system if the antenna goes up. So, yeah, it's just not just not turning on. So I was like, oh, so, all right, whatever. And obviously, it's not the. I, I don't know if it even has it. Old radio has always had an external fuse in the back. It's not that. I pulled it. It had. It was good. Little ten, okay. little ten amp fuse in the back of it was good. Interesting. Well, that yeah. sucks. So two things there are supposed to be easy, an exhaust install and a radio install, and both of them wound up just screwing you over. Ah, super annoying. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. That's not good at all. That's why I just don't put radios in cars, Andrew. It's a lot of, a lot of work for nothing. I haven't even really driven the car. It's kind of annoying me I because it just doesn't sound good. Yeah, no, I probably broken. wouldn't have driven it either. I would have driven it to the buffler shop and had them weld on a flex section. That's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want... No, I get it because no, I, I, I also I think about that and I, I look at the tailpipe on the Sapporo all the time and it bugs the crap out of me because it's welded terribly. So, and that wasn't them; that was the exhaust shop it was across the street from my old work in Salem. I should have known it was going to be terrible, but I was in a hurry to get it done. You know. So. Yeah, I'd rather take it down, and I think I showed you pictures of how I welded the the Galant one. Came out good. Mm-hmm. Plus, I got to get the welder out anyways, and. Uh, Start playing with it. Weld up the Montero bumper. So, yep. I might try to do that this weekend. We'll see. Excellent. That's all of my current cars. So, part of the reason we didn't record a podcast while I was out there was I was also trying to finish the 74 Gallant project. I'm sure people who have been listening for a while will remember 
that last time or second to last time I was out there, we, we, I rebuilt the top end of the engine. I freed up the motor. I got it all ready to go. Like it was, the motor was frozen solid. I couldn't break it free, took the cylinder head off, uh, soaked it all week with different kinds of penetrating oils and transmission fluids and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you actually got the honor of using the hammer of Thor and smashing the top of the piston down with a block of wood and freeing it up. So that was the last time I was there. Then we got the whole car back together. We got it fired up and running and drove it from my parents' yard to your parents' yard and put it in the lift because the fuel pump on the engine was mechanical and it was dead. So we did the electric fuel pump install last time and then tried to drive the car up and down the street and it just it had no power. It was just dead. So we surmised that the accelerator pump was not working on the carburetor. So I ordered a carburetor rebuild kit. And then last time I went out there, wanted to use the carburetor rebuild kit, took it out of the Rock Auto package. And it was a throttle body rebuild kit for a 4.3 Chevy. I mean, they're telling you what you really should have. Which is weird because... There were all kinds of 4.3 Chevys lying around the two yards. (laughs) So instead of returning the 4.3 Chevy throttle body rebuild kit, I gave it to your dad because I'm sure he can use it at some point for his blazer for some reason. Um, And I reordered the carburetor kit, but obviously there was no way to get a carburetor kit while I was in town. So I reordered a carburetor kit. It was the correct one this time. Finally, I happened to be out there for a few days for the graduation. I said, well, in between, one of the things we're going to do is I'm going to try to rebuild that carburetor. So first day I was there, I went outside, knocked the carburetor off the car. Uh, your father is very experienced in carburetor rebuilding. So I sat down with him in your garage and we sat there at a table with some lights and, and kind of went through this carburetor top to bottom, replacing the... So we took, took apart the accelerator pump, which is what we thought the problem was. And there is a rubber diaphragm inside there. And that rubber diaphragm was ripped. So the diagnosis was correct. It, it needed an accelerator pump rebuild. So we knew that was the problem. But we were in there and we saw that there was sediment everywhere in this carburetor. It looked like it had been pulled off of a beach. It was just so much gritty, terrible, awful sand. So instead of just fixing that one part and moving on, we took everything apart. Replaced all the rubber seals that came with the kit, replaced all the parts that came with the kit, cleaned out all of the passageways, made sure that we could spray carb clean through them and it would, you know, spray out the other end, put carb clean from the bowl all the way up through the throat of the carburetor, out the jets. Kind of neat seeing inside a carburetor when it's apart, watching it work. You know, I, in theory, I know how a carburetor works, but never really took one down to the level that we took this one down and got to see the insides and the function of it and how it works. Uh, I, I hesitate to say it works just like a toilet because everybody will make fun of me and talk about all my toilets, but it does work on the same principle of a float in a toilet. You know, the float goes to the top, it cuts off the fuel supply, the float goes down and lets more fuel in, and then it runs basically, vacuum runs the rest of the carburetor from that point on. So it's, it's neat to watch. I actually took some videos of the carb cleaner going through the system so I could post those to our 
auto off topic page and people can see that maybe are curious or don't know how it works, how a carburetor kind of works. Um, get the whole thing built back together. Took, I don't know, an afternoon and the next day because we spent, we, we left stuff soaking for a while as well. Got the whole thing put back together, put it back on the car. Car started almost right up instantly, which was pretty good. However, once it came off of choke, didn't want to run anymore. It's going back and forth. We're trying to diagnose what the issue is now. Um, going back and forth, looking at different things. We can make it idle in park, or we can make it idle in gear. But if we make it idle in gear, when it's in park, it's at like 3,200 RPM. If we make it idle in park, when it goes into gear, it stalls. So at that point, we're like, well, let's check the timing. So we check the timing and it's right where it should be at, you know, base idle. Go to rev the engine up and the timing is not moving. It's staying right at like, you know, eight degrees from top dead center. It should advance a ton and it's not. So we're like, okay, obviously there's an issue with the vacuum advance system. So we took the hose off the carburetor and put it to a vacuum pump and put vacuum into the vacuum advance and watched it move and watched the timing move and watched the car run properly. So then we put the gauge on the vacuum end of the, of the carburetor and it was only putting out like eight inches and it should be between 15 and 17. So somewhere in the car is a massive vacuum leak that's not producing enough vacuum to advance the vacuum advance and not allowing the car to run right. So unfortunately I ran out of time. I haven't gotten to dig into it more. That could be something as simple as a hose off the brake booster, or it could be something as catastrophic as something in the engine. So I'm just not positive what's happening yet. And the problem is I can't diagnose it from here. So. Yeah. I wonder if, um, intake gaskets bad or um could be i noticed the i don't know i didn't i just kind of observed it's got a check valve from the brake booster to the intake sure and it looked pretty like deteriorated because it's just a plastic check valve mm-hmm. or if that's busted up it's similar i only realized it because both of the infinities have the same exact check valve it's okay. just like a Nissan thing, and I had replaced both of them just to make sure they were good because oh, I guess I could, it's a known failure point. It could also be in the PCV. I didn't do anything with the PCV because it's, it's inside the valve cover. Yep. Um, I just don't know. And it, it's what's frustrating me right now is there's no way for me to diagnose it from here. And if I go there to diagnose it, the parts aren't readily available enough to like run down to O'Reilly's and buy them. Cause it's not, you know, a small block Chevy, it's a 1974 Mitsubishi part. So if I fly out there and I spend, you know, whatever it is to fly out there, I can hopefully diagnose what's wrong, but then I can't fix it because I don't have the parts. I have to order the parts the next time I go out there and hope it solves the whole problem. And that's, it's a little bit frustrating. I'm not going to lie. So the, the, the plan was to get the car running good enough so it could be driven down the road and put in a transport truck and sent out here. But if I can't 
make it so it'll either idle or run, I can't put it on a transport truck. So you can't be like, all right, transport truck driver, here's how you have to make this work. You know, if it doesn't run and drive, they don't want it. Or they're going to charge you like three grand instead of 1500 to ship it. So I'm, I'm a little bit like lost as to what to do next. It's a little frustrating. So, and also it's not, I can just like call a mechanic out there and be like, Hey, I got the 74 Colt. Can you fix it? Cause they'll just laugh at me. You know, most, unfortunately, most mechanics are like, we need to know where the OBD port is, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating because it was supposed to go a little better than that. Um, I am happy that the carburetor rebuild went well and that part of it works. I know I'm happy that it still runs and drives. Uh, it just needs, it needs, I need time and I need to know what I need to replace. You know, do I buy a new carburetor? Is the carburetor where the leak is? Is it a gasket where the leak is? Is it the PCV? Is it the brakes? Is it the booster itself? There's just, there's so much that it could be. And I you know, hesitate to think how much all that would cost to buy all those parts to have them all on hand to not need them. So I just don't, I'm, I'm a little bit in the, in the, in the gray area of that car right now. I just don't really know what the right move is. So any suggestions gladly taken, but it's you so close. Cars. I don't though. I don't. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it as a one at a time kind of project car situation, Andrew. And there's other cars that are in Massachusetts that I'm not even thinking about. The project car is that project car. I'm not even take every other project car out of the equation. And I'm just talking about that one car. I just don't know what to do right now. You know, and, I, and it, it, it's come so far that I'm not willing to just be like, eh, whatever, get rid of it. Because I love it. It's come so far. It's so close. It's just so close, but yet so far. So I'm just, I need to, I'm just not quite there. I need to figure out what, to, I need to figure out what to do. I'm not sure what to do. So the good thing is, is that most of the cars out here aren't project cars. So <laughs> I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting better. It's working on it. And I said it before, I'm, I'm at a point where the cars are, while sometimes would drive me insane, they're also what make me happy. So I can't, I just got to figure it out. It's, it's all there is to it. I got to figure it out. I'm just, I'm a little frustrated by it. I was frustrated when I left, uh, but there's nothing I can do about it. I got to figure it out. So anyway, those are my project car updates. Also, Andrew, we can't have too many project cars. We have a podcast to do. What else did we talk about? Well, I mean, I'm at the point where I have too many to try and maintain, so I yeah. don't want any more. Right. Well, uh, fortunately, the older vehicles like the Colts and stuff are simpler to maintain because they require less maintenance. You know, this just changes you once a year once they're running. But getting to that point is the issue. Anyway. I'm going to talk about my personal problems. Just want to fix the car. So if anybody is an expert that happens to know what the cause of that would be without diagnosing it, great. But I don't think it's possible. I think it's definitely one of those things that I'm going to have to dig in there and, and check each little thing and figure out. So anyway, 
frustrations. And you're right, maybe I do have too many cars and I should get rid of some, but I don't know how to do that either. So one step at a time. Yeah, the um, so when we actually get to use cars, yes. uh, we did we did go to the Radwood event at Greenwich. Yes, we did. On the 4th. So I actually got, it's so crazy. I got the Galant out, got a sticker on it. Literally the last time I used it was to go to Greenwich. That's how little I've used it. It sounds worse than it is because it hasn't been a year. No, it was end of the season last year and now beginning of the season this year. So the traditional Greenwich weekend is in end of May, beginning of June. But last year there was issues because of, you know, COVID protocols and stuff that got pushed back. So oh, I thought that was the other way. I thought it was the other way around. I thought they moved no. it up. No, this this is the traditional time of year for Greenwich. Ah. So last year it got pushed up because of issues with the town that it was in not allowing events or permitting or something. And this year it's back to where it's supposed to be. So that's why it's it sounds ridiculous that you haven't driven since the last Greenwich, but it was actually like one of the last events of the season last year. So nonetheless, it is wild that that's what happened. So yeah, you took the Gallant and I rode down with my father in his 1982, uh, 82. Yep. 1982 Toyota Celica GT. So that was the first time that car has gone that kind of distance in his ownership. So that was neat. Take a three hour drive in it. I was uh, honestly a little bit nervous because the tires are pretty old, but it was unfounded and it made it there and back as reliably as it could. You know, it's an old Toyota, right? It should run forever. 22R and a carburetor. So it, uh, it was good. It was a good time. It was a different experience at Radwood though, was it not? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was not the same as like a full Radwood experience. It was smaller. Uh, I probably would have been upset if the entire reason of my trip was to go to Radwood because it wasn't what I'm used to at a Radwood. But if you're in the area, these smaller Radwood experiences are a good way to get like a small flavor of it. So it was still it was still a good time. It just wasn't the same as a full scale Radwood experience. Uh, it was kind of neat having some of the other Greenwich stuff around. You know, the Lamborghini dealer there had a mirror on display next, not in Radwood, obviously, but near it. You know, there's a Lexus deal. It had an LFA on display, and that's one of those last few cars that my jaded automotive brain hasn't seen in person yet. So it was neat to see an LFA. Uh, a surviving Hudson Hornet race car from the 50s NASCAR was there, like an actual race-used Hudson Hornet. That was neat to see. The fabulous Hudson Hornet. Yeah. Yep. Um, Herb Deeks, that guy's name? Sounds I, don't right. know. I don't remember exactly. Doc um, Hudson. Duh. Yeah, Doc Hudson. Excuse me. Yes. Um, Wayne Carini was there wandering around. Uh, he just rolled in. I mean, he's hard to see. You can look right over him. Yeah. Well, he, he was, it was not hard to see rolling in because he rolled in kind of like a boss in like a 1923 Bugatti Type 21 or something. Like, just absolutely ridiculous. The chase. Yeah. It's all about the chase. It's all about the chase. Well, he showed up with that, so that was kind of neat to see. As far as cars and cars that were there for Radwood, I mean, it was a concourse, so there was some high, high-end stuff there. 
Uh, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a 512 TR in person before. The Ferrari 512 TR. It's kind of like a late model Testarossa. It's uh, yeah, it's not a Testarossa though. It's like well, TR is Testarossa, but it's a 512 Testarossa. Yeah. So it's a Testarossa body, but then they updated it with you know exposed headlights and round taillights and kind of odd looking wheels. The same wheels that were on. I don't know if you remember. It's probably too obscure, but the uh, Ferrari Mythos um, concept uh, car. Actually, I have a diecast of it. About yeah. three feet from me. Perfect. So that's the vehicle that those wheels were pulled from. Ah. Um, it's it's kind of just like an ugly Testarossa. I don't like it, but it was neat to see. Oh, it. no, they're awesome. You like the 512 I, TR? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's no. So cool. it's, it's so ugly. No. Everything's just tacked no, on. So wrong. Oh, I don't it's know. Perfect. I don't like it. I much prefer the true Testarossa before. From yeah, there's an F40 there. Uh, I've seen yep. a couple of those, so I actually didn't look at it that, that close. So you but, walked in. The main display was there was an F40. It was kind of like, like in a half semicircle. So an F40, a DeLorean, of course. Yeah, whatever. One of one of two roof BTR slant nose cabriolets. Yes, that was, that was cool. Yeah, I'm literally. I can't so, talk about it though because I've talked too much about Porsches today. That's true. I am so over DeLoreans. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Over a stock DeLorean with just a single stupid flux capacitor thing stuck between the seats, Correct. just exists with your stock DeLorean. Yeah. Also, yeah. don't build any more stupid replicas. There's plenty of replicas. <laughs> kind of how I feel. Or, about or, or I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care. I just yeah. chase your bliss with the stupid car. I don't care. Yeah. I don't want one. Yeah. <laughs> like the, yep. the, there's like Friendship five with like every Radwood. Yep. I'm like, it's so over them. They're like super common. Yep. Well, they're one of those cars that everyone that was built was like treated like a special object. So they also exist unless they got wrecked. So yeah. there's so many of them out there. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I agree with you. I do not. I, I don't mind a full on like full dressed, full DeLorean from Back to the Future. But I really dislike the stock DeLorean with a flux capacitor between the seats. That is annoying to me. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I do want to call out our friend Scott with the stylus. Yep. Who blew up his engine a month before Radwood. Correct. And swapped the engine and then drove it to Radwood. Yep. So, yep. That was pretty cool. Baller move. Yeah. yeah Part next to him. Yeah, we happened to pull in right in front of him, right behind yeah. him. So it worked out perfectly. Got parked mm-hmm. right next to him. So that was cool. Um, I have never met Scott in person. It was good to meet him in person. I know him through the internet. But yeah, it's good to meet in person. We met a couple other people from the internet too, and luckily they were cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, Starquest Pilot. Yes, is the Instagram name. Yeah, we we've seen his car before because we left some stickers on his windshield when we saw it parked in the spectator parking lot of Lime Rock Park. And yeah. actually, his the sticker we put in his windshield is still in his quarter glass, so that was cool. Uh, yeah, it's a white '88 Starion with a red or a maroon leather interior um mm-hmm. the car was not in the show correct there's one just like it i thought it was his car I but there's like one that, that was, was a... just like his car that happened to i was like in the show. i was like oh we're over by your car and he's like no no, that's outside that's there's a different one there i was like oh, right. okay which is funny but we we're <laughs> also at the same time i was talking to the owner of that starion because he also had a white audi coupe quattro there 
Yeah. And it said, the Audi Coupe Quattro said 1984 Los Angeles Olympic edition. Right. And I was like, I don't remember that being a thing. <laughs> like, I remember that there was the special edition Michelle Mouton, which was 86, I think. I was like, but I don't remember there being 84 Olympic edition. So I managed to track him down and I asked him, I was like, hey, man, what's the deal? <laughs> like, what is this 1984 Olympic edition? Because it looks factory. It didn't look like any kind of weird, you know, aftermarket decal package. It looked like something Audi would have made. So he knew the whole story behind the car. It was kind of neat. He went to look at the car to buy it in like 1997 when he was a teenager, but couldn't quite get the deal done. And he just saw it come back up for sale again, like last month. And he immediately called and like as a successful adult, now he had the money to buy the car. And he went down and it was still the same guy that owned it. He never sold it. And he had pictures of the car that he had taken with a film camera in like 1997 that showed it in the same place with the same stuff in the garage and the same location and the same house. And he went down to buy it again. And this time he managed to buy it. So that's kind of a cool story. But the guy he bought it from was the original owner. And it was somewhere here in Arizona. And the original owner who bought it brand new, owned a dealership network in LA at the time of the Olympics. And he made the 1984 Special Olympic Edition to drive around during the Olympics as advertisement for his dealership. So it wasn't real, but it was like kind of real-ish in the fact that it had some actual history behind it. And if anybody had bought that car between 97 and now... I'm sure those decals would have been removed and it just would have been lost to the, you know, the, the, the lost to history. Nobody would have known about it. But since this guy knew about it from 1997 <laughs> and knew about it now and managed to get the car, he was able to keep that and keep it like it was at the time. And he's all about it. He's all about leaving it that way. And it's super cool. It's a neat story to have behind the car. So super cool car. I've always loved Audi Coupe Quattro's. Obviously, they're now well out of my price range. You know, I had the cheap alternative at the time, the Audi 4000 CS Quattro, which is the same driveline minus a turbo, right? So I kind of lived that life a little bit, but didn't quite get there. I'd love to have a Coupe Quattro at some point, but even 4000 CS Quattros are bigger money now too. So who knows if we'll ever get the opportunity, but it was cool to see it. I love those cars. Um, Favorite car of the show? Well... Also, our friend Alex was there with his Piero yep. Evo. Yep. Um, that was cool. He got he got a call out because he won like Radisson show at Boston. So yes, they're like, hey, we can't give you another award, but you're here. Thank you. <laughs> but my absolute favorite car that I never knew existed until that day, and it won Radisson show. You like the AMC Eagle? No. It won Radisson show. Oh, that one Raz Domestic. Yeah, the Biagini Passo. Yes. Yeah, that's very cool. Which I'd never heard of. You, nope. It even stumped you. It, it stumped me heavily. I walked up to it. I thought it was like some sort of a Lada because of the headlight design. Um, it wasn't until I stepped back and I looked at the door line and the only the top of the quarter panel, not even the lower part of the quarter panel, and that I noticed that it was a Volkswagen Rabbit. It's like a... Like in between a Mark II, Mark One. So 
It's a Mark One Cabriolet. Yep. Which was built into the Mark II generation, so it could be the same time period, because yep. they never made a Mark II cab. They made the Mark One cab all the way to 1992, which was the last year of the Mark II. So it's a Mark One Cabriolet body on, on a chassis of a golf, golf a Volkswagen country. Golf Country, which is a Mark II four wheel drive. Those, yeah, which were those were never sold here. They were never sold here. They were four door golfs that had the mechanical four wheel drive out of the synchro vans, which is wild in itself. So it was that chassis under a Mark One Rabbit body. But from the firewall forward, it was a totally different nose. And from the middle of like the molding line on the side of a rabbit down, the quarter panels were different as well to make it fit the Mark II chassis. And it was some, uh, Piagini was an Italian design firm, I guess, that built it. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many they made. I haven't looked into it, but they couldn't be many. I I, looked it up. Yeah, I finally Uh, won. About 300. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you heard it. This guy said he got it out of Switzerland sure, recently and yeah. just showed up. Um, so I am I imagine they were like a beach town car. Yeah. Uh, it's got, there's pictures of it on our Instagram. It's got yes. powder blue Recaro seats. Full interior. blue Recaro interior. So cool. Like I've never seen a Recaro interior like that. No, nope, so cool. Um, so it's a really I, cool car. I had learned that it recently just got imported as well. Uh, and if you go on YouTube onto Rotiform's YouTube channel, the owner of the car works for Rotiform. Oh, okay. That's why it had Rotiforms on it. Uh, oh, yeah. He had, he had the car at Alpine Vag Fair like two weeks prior in Georgia. And they made this video, um, kind of like a gag video. And it's kind of fun to watch. Of he's texting with some guy and the guy's like, hey, you want to go to Alpine something? He's like, sure. I haven't gone skiing in a long time. And like, no, dude, it's in Georgia. And he shows up in full ski gear, like 80s ski gear in that. He's driving around, like looking for the ski mountain. And they park it at the car show and they put fake snow all around it. And he's like, yeah, finally snow. It's kind of funny. Um, But Rotiform used it as like a promotional video for their advertising. And did you know that Rotiform is actually teamed up with Ferrari now for their World Challenge cars? No. Yeah, Rotiform is the official wheel supplier now for the Ferrari Le Mans team and the Ferrari World Challenge cars. Weird. Yep. So I guess Motigi used to be. Yeah. And Motigi and Rotiform are owned by the same company. And the company was like, well, Motigi's not really like a lifestyle brand, so it doesn't make any sense to advertise our wares with Motigi through the Ferrari race program, whereas Rotiform has got this more like lifestyle brand behind it. And if they can actually like do actual motorsports with it and show that they're a legitimate company, not just this, you know, water-cooled Volkswagen fanboy wheel company, that they might be able to grow the company more. So that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really like the wheels on it. But to each their they own. were, yeah, they were kind of similar to like the the Lancia Delta Integrale rally wheels. Yeah, that's, that's what I saw. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It wasn't. They they weren't offensive. Put it that way. Like some old Sparkos would look. Uh, not Sparkos. Um, Speedlines would look cooler. On Speedlines it. would have been perfect. So I'm wondering if it's one of those cars that's kind of so far under the radar that it's not worth a ton of money, and I should try to find one because <laughs> it's super cool. 
yeah, that would be good. I'd, that'd be something to keep at my uh, summer house. Yeah, it'd be a great. Yeah. Oh, listen, Mister, making fun of me for having a Porsche, <laughs> Mister. Oh, I need a car to keep in my summer home. <laughs> All right. Anyway, after this elitist podcast is over, well. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was the event we did there. We also went to the next day because that wasn't enough craziness and traveling. We got in your Montero and drove all the way down to the revival motoring donut meet per, per request of my two year old want to ride in data's truck. So, well, yeah, that's the first reason we took the vehicle we took. Yes. But yeah. It was not his request uh, to go to the donut meet. Oh, that would be cool. If he's like, well now, now meet. he knows it. So now he's literally for the last two weeks, he'll just start saying it. That's true because he gets donuts. <laughs> Yeah, go, as I say, go to Cars and Coffee. Okay, cool. I like it. Because yeah. he wants donuts. Yeah, rode in yeah. dad's truck. Okay. Hey, but. whatever. Yeah, just because you haven't had him in the other cars yet, probably. You felt the acceleration of the Galant. You're probably like, oh, ride in dad's car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he thinks my Volkswagen's fast, so. Well, he doesn't know yet, so. My, uh, my nephew. It's been in the G20. Right, he hasn't been anything fast yet. My uh, my nephew out here, he called the Jetta station wagon the race car. So they just don't know. <laughs> no. It was a, it was a well, his parents drive trucks, and it was a red small car. So it's a race I'm gonna car. I'm gonna make him grab a twenty dollar bill off the dash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uncle Rod's race car. The joke is he can't even reach the dash yet. <laughs> you should be in the back seat. Right. He's facing the front now, but still. Yeah, no. Uh, Uncle Brad's race car was the Volkswagen. Not the Eclipse, the Volkswagen. So, whatever. Who knows what goes through their minds, right? Yeah. But, unfortunately, I sold Uncle Brad's race car, so I'll have to deal with it. He's also all excited because I had him steering, quote-unquote, the Cressida when it was broken. I backed it yeah. in the garage. So, it was all well and good until he actually started to steer it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so we went down to the donut meet. That was cool. Uh, it was a lot bigger this time than it was last time we went to one. Seems to be growing in leaps and bounds. The weather was nice. Weather was beautiful. We saw Chris down there, hung out with him for a bit, talked to the revival guys for a bit, which is always good, and uh, drove back home. So mostly Volkswagens there, obviously, because they're a Volkswagen heavy podcast. But there's also some other cool stuff there. It was a FDRX7 that was stunningly gorgeous. Um, a really cool, you know, bagged out 70s Chevy pickup. All kinds of cool stuff was there. So I dig it. It's a good it's a good take if you get a chance to go to one. They have their schedule published on their website. So lots of free donuts and lots of cool cars. Oh. Anything else, Andrew? Uh Early, let's see, early um, alert for an event coming up. A friend of ours is helping run the Beverly Police Car Show. Sure. It's September 25th in Lynch Park. So very local to here. Yep. Uh, Family friendly, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., $15 a car. Spectators are free. It's a charity thing too, I think. Yeah, charity thing. Yep. Lynch Park is in Beverly, Mass., and uh, it's like right on the water. 
It sounds like it's a cop show, though. They got to arrest you if your car is illegally modified. <laughs> Trap, um, go. No, it's not. They've uh, th- that department and the Essex Police Department have put on shows for the past few years, I think. Yeah, and uh, they've always been good times. And my dad is doing music for them. Even better. Yeah. So Do that's you coming up. Music, or are you just gonna go to the show? Uh, I'm just gonna go to the show. I'll probably um, I'll probably drive one of his cars. Excellent. Because he's gonna bring his stuff over, so maybe I'll take the Pontiac or something. Yeah. Or the Buick. And uh, yeah. Drive the Buick. Um, I would drive the Buick. <laughs> just that, just for the just for the opportunity <laughs> of driving that Buick. I would drive that Buick. Maybe. I want to drive it. It's so cool. <laughs> I want to buy it. That's what it is. I don't have the money for it or a place to put it, but I want that car. I think it's so cool. That's an all original 1938 Buick. It's just a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not a race car or a sports car, but I think it'd be fun to own it just as a ridiculousness. But anyway, someday when I strike it rich, I'll buy it from him. Not sure when that's happening, but no time soon. <laughs> not if you keep buying all these junk cars. You know. <laughs> the 944 is not junk and I think it's going to help me in my path to buying the Evo that I really want so All right. we'll see we'll see gonna get that one P-car money time. one step at a time yeah hopefully the market like blows up on 944s in the next year or so <laughs> hey practice what you preach how long have we been saying that 944s and second generic sevens are the cars to buy. So I put my money where my mouth is. I, I know. I haven't seen a second generic seven in a long time. That's what I'm saying is that they're the value of if you can find one, it's going to explode soon. So I've been saying it since we started this podcast. Well, maybe not since we started, but since we started talking about which cars are next, I, I really think that the 944 and the RX seven second gen are going to, are going to pop. No, that soon, goes, so. that goes back pretty far. I'm pretty it sure that's been like, like one of those seven I, years. That's one of the 2016 episodes. Like, is this your seven years? That's crazy. Six years. Oh six years boy, it has years. been six years. Yikes! No, it has been six years. Oh my how goodness! Do we, how do we still only have four listeners? I don't understand. Tens, tens of listeners. Oh tens yeah, listeners. We, we forgot to talk about Discord. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Discord. Do it. Listen to it. We've got. I mean, uh, no, let's do it. Sign up for it. <laughs> do it. Okay. I don't even know it. how it works. What is Discord? <laughs> I've been doing it so long, I don't know what you do anymore. What is that? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. sign up for our Discord or send us a message on either Instagram or Facebook. We'll send you a link. Yeah, we'll send you and, a link uh, to join. There's uh, tens have, of people in there. There there literally are tens of people in there. Yes, that's where I'm doing It's free. You can talk to us for free. And it's international. We have a, a, a participant from England. Yeah. So we're all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's free just like this podcast. So yep. your mileage may vary. Yeah, we've spent six years not making any money doing this. It's been fun. We've also spent six years promising merch. Listen, I've... Um, obviously, you're surrounded by stickers. I'm surrounded by hats. I have some stuff. But we just got to get our act together. We spent six years promising a website. We're good at promising things. It it exists. It's uh, it still does. in soft launch beta. Yeah, very beta. <laughs> uh, just got other stuff going on. We're going we're gonna to work on it, I promise. And, sure. And... The the scale auto diecast. Oh yeah! Hey, if, go to that Instagram page. I have been posting stuff there, 
not on a daily basis, but definitely a few a week. Yeah. So, so that's been a lot of updates there. It's all coming. Yeah. Um, we'll it's just there. difficult because it's literally just the two of us doing it for free after work. So it becomes. It's not a complaint because instead of getting money, we've had a lot of really good experiences. Oh, 100%. The people we've met, the I, I wouldn't have bought that 944 if I hadn't started, if we, if we hadn't started this podcast because I never would have met Bradley, you know, and I never would have been become good enough friends with him that he was staying at my house with his wife for a week. And that's why it happened. You know what I mean? Like we never would have met half the people we know. We wouldn't have gone to all these Radwood shows and been invited to all this different stuff. And, you know, it's really been, it's been huge. So not to be sappy about it right now, but it's been a hell of a six years and, you know, where our lives were six years ago to now couldn't be much more different. And a lot of it is because of this podcast. So we'll take it. We're saying cool. we love you, man. Yeah. I mean, come hang on the Discord. I'm, I've been posting more behind the scenes car fixing stuff than anything I've put on Instagram lately. So, um, yeah, let's not yeah, forget. And, and other people are posting their stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a good community. It's not just us. Like I said, there, there are literally tens of people there right now. Um, but, you know, you it's s- growing a little bit every week. And the more people that join, you know, there's rally people in there, vintage car people in there. It's been, a, yeah, it's been a good time. You can see all the Hot Wheels I'm finding at grocery stores. Yeah, you and Chris are pretty uh, proficient at uh, posting up your Hot Wheels finds. So. Grocery store is a secret. I'm just not posting up my Hot Wheels finds because then people know how many diecast cars I buy. Oh, uh, yeah. The, there's a robbery and it's HLJ or yeah. it's Hobby Search taking all my money. Yeah, it's a little embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> Actually, but. I'm very excited. After this podcast is over, I have to go take some pictures <laughs> so I can bring it to work and put it on my work desk. But I just got a 164th <laughs> version of the original Lowrider, the Gypsy Rose. Okay. Super happy about that. All right. As as the resident Lowrider guy. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. If I can't fix my 74 Colt, at least I can have my Gypsy Rose diecast. Anyway. Right, cool. End this episode. Yeah. Uh, follow us, Discord. Follow me, Instagram, TSISS350. Follow us on our Instagram for the podcast at Auto Off Topic. Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. Andrew? Yep. Where are you at? I am uh, Race and Anger on Instagram, Race and Anger on Twitter. You get a request to follow me on Twitter. It's private, but Instagram is open. Yeah, just easier. And uh, yeah, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.